Well, Clark, why don't you, would you like to do a little bit for here? Before oh. he decides, I should, he should have me. Uh-oh. That was Lois, by the way, escaping so she didn't have to talk on the oh. podcast. <laughs> this is just a speaker. Like it's not a camera. It's not a camera. I can sit here you you like can sit mouth. there quietly and eat your lunch. Um, why don't you say... This is Eric Jackson. I sell revenue stamps. And you're listening to Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Homer, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. I, I mean, I have to say, when I, when I heard that, like, people actually watch this show, I was, I was actually pretty surprised. I collect stamps. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Welcome to Stamp Show here today, episode number 93. We are on the floor of Sescal 2016. We'll be speaking to people as they walk by. Let's see what happens. Cash, let's record something. Why don't you say your name and what you do and plug your business, tell people what what you sell and uh, how to get a hold of you if they want to buy your stuff. Uh, Clark Frazier, Clark Philatelics. I sell classic U.S. stamps. I sell revenues and state revenues, federal revenues, state revenues, Canada revenues, and I have one of the largest stocks of state revenues in the country. Cool. Um, Talk about state revenues for a little bit. Tell um, people what they are. State revenues are stamps used by, and other things, used by uh, states to, as proof of payment, prepaid for collecting revenue, for collecting taxes. Everything from uh, license plate stickers, which are not normally collected this way, but anything where you had to pay for something and that's the proof that you paid it. Uh, There's revenue stamps for uh, anything from dog food to uh, documents. I don't remember ever seeing a dog food revenue stamp. Who who put that one out? Uh, I believe it was Virginia. The Virginia dog food stamp. (laughs) Oh yeah, honey. I used to to collect state revenue, so I I know all that stuff, but in bone meal and all that stuff. 
But when you but when you said dog food, I thought, wow, what the heck? Washington <laughs> State has honey seals. Yep. Of course, alcohol. Everybody has alcohol. State, well, Utah actually prints the revenue stamp on the beer labels. You can do it that way. Oleomargarine. That was to protect the butter industry. Yep. And uh, military beer only. Military beer only. <laughs> What was that during Prohibition or something? No. Where oh, what, was, I think if you're selling on a military base or something, oh, uh, so you get so you have beer stamps and you have military beer stamps. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Butter substitute tax. Oh, that's got to be an oleomargarine protection racket. If if you can get by my comments, I don't right. have a we lot have of faith in the U.S. government. Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. A gallon of soft drink? No. When did that come out? Um, that I don't know. I don't have the catalog. Soft that drink looks tax. Post war, right? But it's interesting because first of all, it's a gallon. Right. And no, you know, nobody buys soft drinks by the gallon. But well, the restaurants do when they put it in their machine. <laughs> ah, good point. Good point. Yes. Here's the city of Salem, Oregon. Beverage tax. Yep. So, Oklahoma, great egg, yeah, eggs. Yeah, eggs. Lots um, of 15 dozen eggs is usually how it goes. Yeah, I have some of those for uh, my chicken exhibit, or my this, chicken collection. This is, these are that's ornate. liquor bottles. Yeah. That's what a lot of times you see the seals. They still do it even though they don't have to pay the tax. So, since people can't see, what they are is they're very ornate large beer labels with the uh, revenue stamp stamped in the middle yeah, of it. Hey. Come on up. Here's a Utah. Do you know anything about uh, state revenues? No, here's a Utah. Ah, That was Gary shaking his head, walking away, avoiding us. There's a Utah tax stamp shaped like the state. Oh, that's that's cool. cool. That's a Liquor Control Commission. It's on cellophane, so it must have been a wrapper of some sort. Yeah, they put them on cigarettes, all of these tobacco taxes. Virginia feeding stuff inspection tag for 100 pounds. Yep. There's one for 50 pounds. A lot of pounds. That was just them uh, touching the farmers, or excuse me, the ranchers, because they wanted to grow stuff instead of butcher stuff. Tiny stuff. Those are tiny. I know, what are they? What were those little itty bitty tiny stuff? No, the ones like back two pages. State of Utah, Lake Powell's special... Special fishing stamp. Yeah, no, go back like two. Go back like two. Yeah, Something from Vermont there. Those, those are little. What are those? Um, You need a magnifying glass to read them. Cigarette, maybe? No, it's it's a cigarette. It's a cigarette. Cigarette. Little cigarette tax. You put it on each pack. Yeah. And this is what they, how they come before they put them on. That is microscopic. I can see them. Well, that's because you have better eyes than we do. That's <laughs> why so you use glasses. Yep. Or magnifying glasses. Yeah, I have all that. Oh. That gives you some idea of the yeah. variety. Oh, yeah. honey, I love honey, honey tax stamps. Yeah. Yep. But uh, some of them are really beautiful. They're big, yeah. picturesque, and they have the little honey stamp imprinted in them. <laughs> yeah. 
Department of Agriculture. So anytime there was a service for a fee, um, you need a receipt. Likely to have the receipt. This well, the the, fir the first stamps were tax stamps. In Ohio, and I don't know how they did this. They had prepaid sales tax. Stamps. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. The little bottle label again. Fisher beer. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Some See, they have the little them. stamp. Right. Yeah. So they incorporate the uh, tax stamp right into their label. Yes. Yeah. Now they pay the tax, but there's no stamp. Either. Yeah. You, you get a bill from the IRS. You don't get to put stamps on the beer. Brown jug. If you know, if your beer's not brown, then you know it's not beer. That's it's not it. It's not our beer. <laughs> Could be near beer. Beer near. Um, just briefly, the Canada revenues are beautifully engraved. Mm -hmm. And some of them are expensive and some are not. They're very inexpensive. Um, well, look at the engraving on these. Oh, yeah. yeah. Plus, Don, look who's on it. Oh, look at it upside down. Oh. Yeah. Who, who is that? Who is that? Went on vacation. Someone left. It's George. Or is it Nikki? It's not Nikki, it's George. Are you sure? I am absolutely sure because <laughs> Nikki would not be on a Canadian stamp. Well maybe it was. <laughs> yeah. We, we George would. We always George have we, we have an on running thing because George the Fifth and King uh, Nicholas the Second look exactly the same. So it's like, well, which one? <laughs> is, it, yeah. is it George or Nikki? Or Edward. Back to American U.S. revenues we have. Oh, privatized. We have privatized, yeah, we have privatized stamps. I grew up with mm -hmm. Oh, you Mostly did. pictures of bearded oh. men. Occasionally yep. Epic beards. Or I and Illuminati. 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 Illuminati alert. No, we had a whole... Th uh, podcast on those uh, we talked about some of the co uh, companies yeah. and the literally poison that they made <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah there's one that is it was a cocaine stamp right? yep mm -hmm. uh, well, my favorite one was uh jamaica be uh, jamaica ginger jamaican ginger jamaican yeah. ginger jamaica ginger man yep making Give you a jake walk jake walk and jake leg mm -hmm. yeah and this is perfume and then playing cards. Yep. There's one playing card stamp I should get. Oh. Oop. Oh, we're going to play cards yeah, stamps. Yeah, that might be. That's what I collect. I that, collect playing yeah. card stamps. Playing cards. Yep. Do you play cards with them? I do. I do magic tricks. With playing card stamps? I can do a magic trick on the podcast. Okay, do you, one. You want me hold to it. do my magic trick again? Yeah, Everybody who's listening, think of a card. Think of a card. Think of a card. Are you ready? Have you? Has everybody thought of a card? Okay, here it comes. The Ace of Spades. Yes. Well, see, what's going to happen is, like, 51 people are going to say, that's not my card, but that 52nd person... He's going to go, how did he do that? <laughs> and there's like 15,000 people listening to this. So, so like, a, you know, like 75 people are going to think I'm just a freaking miracle worker. <laughs> so why don't you uh, tell people how to get a hold of you? You know, especially if you collect revenues or you want to look uh, at the state revenues. Right. There's two ways to get a hold of me. One is email at, at cfr 
photo at hotmail.com. Also, deal in photographs. Oh, excellent. Trains. Trains. And I sell on eBay, and the, the, tie, the handle on eBay is Clark Philatelics. Uh, you can always get a hold of me there and send a message, or you can send it to my email. That's it. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. So, so what are you doing here with Mepsi? You got I, it on your name tag, but a, I don't see it. We had anything. a chapter meeting. Oh, okay. There were just four of us. But a we, very small chapter. Uh, More like a paragraph. Our chapter has gotten smaller and smaller. As, oh, really? As, as, as we all age. Nobody wants, and besides that, we're all moving away from where we lived before. Makes sense. Oh, honey, come here, join in. Is this your son? That's my son. Good. He's an exhibitor of uh, Egyptian stamps. Egyptian. So Mexico meet Egypt, Egypt New Mexico, and New Mexico. I'll and I'll be Swiss. Swiss. <laughs> That's my son here. Hey, do you collect stamps yet? Yeah. He's starting. What do you collect? We got a bunch. Um, mostly Egyptian stamps, and then now I have a bunch of U.S. stamps. Oh, you got those from the kids' area. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's a cool set. You got the five dollar too. Oh, that's a good set. Nice. Yeah. Some the coils. Yeah. The coils, good deal. Yes. So now you know yeah. what the coils mean. By the way, sure. you exhibited, right? Uh, I will. I haven't yet. Oh, you haven't. Yet. I haven't yet. Because yes. I was going to ask what award you got. Uh, right. So no, not yet. But I have a pretty solid um, collection of early Egypt aviation meeting. It's probably the best in the world. That is interesting. If not the best. One of the best, if not the best. Um, so in Egypt, 1910, uh, in Heliopolis, the city where I was born and raised, they had an old airport, and they had the first uh, aviation meeting in Africa and the Middle East, right there. They had uh, races, speed races, and... They have a stamp in Egypt, an early airmail stamp that had an uh, airplane going over the pyramid. Am oh, yeah. I right? That's the airmail. Right. That's, yeah, yeah. They the Heliopolis that. is, that's like in the middle of Egypt, right? On the Nile? It's Cairo, and it's actually where the presidential palace is today. Oh. Oh, yeah, okay. it's, it's a, I don't know if you want to call it a, a nicer part of Egypt. So I loved Egypt. Event, I thought it was great. Yeah. yeah. So that event, they only had a post office there for from February 6th to February 13th. That's it. And so the cover, there, there are no covers that I know of yet. I have a couple of philatelic ones. No used covers. They're all uh, unused postcards, with very few that are actually closely used postcards. They're celebrating the, the, the air event. service or like the just air event. races or, oh, okay. Yeah, just that So event. it's like an air show. It's an air show. It's oh, an okay. old, 1910 air show. Cool. And so, yeah. So and all the little Wright Brothers planes a, and stuff like that. Did they have anything like that in Mexico? Oh, yeah. They had uh, they had uh, a really big, big one on June the 1st, 1930. Okay. They had oh. a big air show, but it was, it was an exhibition of where they were sending covers. It was the first totally international mail that people were sending. And it actually went from Mexico City to Nuevo Laredo. Mm -hmm. and on across into the United States, and then it would be the first. Yeah. I recently bought a, a collection of these covers 
that the guy sent out, all of them he sent out, he sent them registered and he put all kinds of beautiful stamps on them and stuff. He, some of them were going to Costa Rica or to Argentina, Uruguay, Brazil, places like Did he like send them to the postmaster and say send them back? himself or to a fictitious name and the post office would send them back. And I had, I bought two lots and probably 35 cups. I saw that happen once in Alaska. A person wanted to get all the Alaskan towns. So he'd mail to like Joe Blow on 23rd and a half street. And there was none. So they'd get canceled in whatever that city was. And they'd get returned to sender. And so he'd get them all back returned to sender. But that's interesting. Well, of course, a lot of times, the, the towns are so small, like in Mexico or in Egypt and in, in even Alaska and plus a, places like that, that they didn't even have postmarks, especially in Mexico. They, you would send something to a hacienda and it would wind up 30 miles away or 40 miles away at a, one of the larger towns and that would get this postmark there. Cool, cool. What'd you buy today? Anything uh, good? A few, just I look for varieties, yes. you know, because I have all the regular stuff. Yeah. But now I just look for things that people, you know, dealers don't really look too closely at. Um, yeah, a couple of covers again from the city. I'm doing a study with a guy from uh, Egypt about all the different postmarks from Heliopolis, mm -hmm. earliest and latest. So we found about 30 different ones, and I probably have half of the earliest, latest ones. That's how extensive my <laughs> covers from that little town is. It's not little anymore. Yeah, I was just wondering, how early is early for Heliopolis? 1909. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it. Oh, the city okay. itself was, was uh, started to be built. 1905. I was completed by 1908, right. and they used to use Cairo. And all of a sudden, hey, we're big enough. Let's get our own post office. They did. And I have the very first, earliest anything postmark by Heliopolis, 1909. Cool. So it's decent. See, when you specialize, you start getting some cool stuff. Whereas, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, when I was Daniel's age, it's like I just want to get it all. How How long have you been collecting? Uh, since I was. Nine or ten, yeah. Daniel's eleven. That's when but, I started. Uh, a few years. A couple years. When did you start? Oh my gosh, I started when I was younger than him. I was eight years old. Yeah, yeah see. Yeah. And uh, I don't. Hi. <laughs> you recording? Of course, always. Of course, you are. Yeah. So, so yeah, most of my stuff that I like to collect are the Egypt uh, Farouk collection, the King's mm -hmm. collection. Yeah, so that's King what he... Farouk was the biggest stamp collector in the world and he collected everything and anything. Uh, but still, it's it's kind of a celebrity in the stamp collecting world, so when you find something that's owned by him, it's worth Who are you talking about? King Farouk. The former king of Egypt up to mm -hmm. 1952. You, find, oh, okay. the, you yeah. find these little cards and it says from the King Farouk collection and then oh, it'll right. have yeah. some stamp that you look at it and go, oh, that's nothing, so you throw it but you go back and go, no, back. that's a proof. That's, right. that's one of 100 of these. Yeah. There's only 100 of these out there. They cut them up. And uh, uh, there are, probably had another 50, too. Oh, there are some that literally are like in the fives, where they just, somebody somewhere was just hinging them on cards, and then they blew the cards out. That's right. Yeah. You know.
Well, the only uh, the only Egyptian thing that I can think of that I have is uh, a hotel cancel from Cairo, from the Shepherd Hotel. Yeah. And I pulled it aside just because it looked interesting. And, of course, I like the pyramids. It's a, they're yeah. cool-looking stamps. They are. Yeah, you just, uh, a lot of people that are non-Egyptians that get into it. It's like, oh, because I saw the pyramid and the stamp. And the stamp. So, yep, yep. So we're going to keep walking well, here. good luck. I appreciate it. Fine stuff. Nice, nice meeting you. you. Too. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Good luck, Daniel. It's a descendant. Okay, well, why don't you tell everybody who you are and where you're from and what you sell, first of all, get the, get the commercial stuff out of okay, the way. Okay, I'm Don Toker. I live in Boulder, Colorado, and part-time in Sunapee, New Hampshire, and I deal in U.S. classic postal history. But today, I want to talk about two really oddball covers I have. One of them is a advertisement for ant traps it's from uh, a company that sells what they call ant buttons yeah it is this is a great it, you, obviously you can't see it but it's a large number 10 size envelope put it up to the mic yeah hold it up to the microphone <laughs> right and it has pictures of ants eating from these ant buttons it's uh, a 1955 cover from Miami Florida and it's franked with a one and a half cent uh, circular die postal stationery uh, indicia and a one and a half cent Martha Washington stamp and it says on it don't live in a bug house <laughs> the other cover well, hold on hold on the, the, the thing too that people have to get is that this is a large size envelope and this picture of the ant eating this ant killer is three quarters the size of the envelope. It's a huge envelope that says, ant buttons kill ants. It's very impressive looking. The second cover is a toy cover. It's from 1941, with thanked by a three cent defense stamp. And it's from Cleveland, Ohio, and it depicts a hunter bank. Uh, one of those uh, mechanical banks that are, were popular in the early part of the 20th century. And the picture shows the hunter shooting at a bird which is hanging on a spring-loaded piece of wire. And apparently if you uh, pull the trigger, uh, you get to pull the trigger if you put a coin in the slot and uh, you get to fire the gun. Uh, the reason this is of interest to, to me is toy ads are very difficult to find, and this one is an extremely pretty and unusual one. So, the uh, last cover I want to talk about has a, uh, it's a 1937, January 20th, Washington, D.C., the date of Roosevelt's inauguration, and it's frank with an Oregon Territory uh, commemorative from that time period. The uh, cover shows all the presidents up through Roosevelt. Well, it starts with George Washington. All the presidents. Well, he wasn't the first president, but... No, all the presidents <laughs> up to him. That's that's okay. all of them. Starting with Washington and, and um, then, of course, with Roosevelt. 
And this is a very unusual cover because it has all the president's pictures on it up through 1937. So. That is cool. So anyway, that's my stuff. Um, well, how, how can people get in hold of you? Uh, I'm on the web. My uh, name is Don Toker. The, if you just put in Toker, T-O-C-H-E-R, you're going to get to my website. It's called U.S. Classics. And I have thousands of uh, classic covers displayed on that website. If whoever out there needs something, this is the place to come to uh, find any postal station or postal history. Interesting. Any U.S. postal history. U.S. Anyway. postal history. Yes. I, I specialize in things like the Civil War, World War II, and auxiliary markings, which I like a lot because they're all different. And ant killer and uh, <laughs> funny ads. Funny ads. <laughs> <laughs> Thank well, you. Fantastic. Thank you very much. I'm here with Chris Lazaroff, and he's, uh, well, Chris, why don't you tell everybody? Um, well, I'm uh, here at Sescal today because we had a first day ceremony for the new uh, butterfly stamp that's a non-machinable stamp, which means it's for the um, envelopes and greeting cards that are square and can't go through the normal uh, sorting machines and do have to be uh, uh, handled by hand and therefore there's a surcharge for it for the postal service and they worked with the greeting card industry actually so greeting cards that require this stamp now up in the upper right corner of the envelope will have a picture of a butterfly printed right on there so that you know you need to have the butterfly stamp yeah, used. Blayton can, uh Blatant consumerism. They they bowed to the pressure of uh, what big greeting cards. Big greeting cards, <laughs> but but it's beneficial for both because yeah. now consumers know. Okay, it, if I need a uh, stamp, it's a butterfly stamp, and they can just go in and buy that rather than try to remember the words uh, non-machine sortable. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. So those so there's a butterfly on it, and so it's a the butterfly is an eastern tail blue butterfly um, which makes you think that the tail is blue but not necessarily um, the eastern tail blue uh, butterfly it's uh, the scientific name is cupido uh, comatas and it's also known as the everest comatas um, it's a common butterfly on the eastern part of the united states medium-sized butterfly which means it's like three quarters of an inch to maybe an inch and a half uh, total wingspan, so about the uh, size of one knuckle of uh, your thumb. Yeah, it doesn't sound very medium. And it's distinguished from the other blues in its range by a small thin tail, and I'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, the males are generally blue on the upper side of their wings, while females are a lighter blue to a brown or charcoal in coloring. But there are also varieties that are found in purple and pink on both sexes. So the eastern tail blue might not necessarily be blue. It might be some other uh, color of butterfly. Um, the thing that distinguishes it is on the uh, bottom of the wings um, are two orange dots. And then protruding from the bottom of the wings are small extensions or hind legs. Um, so that's what makes the eastern tail. It's the tail. It shouldn't, I shouldn't say leg. It's a tail for the butterfly. Yeah, it looks like little fingers sticking out the bottom. looks like little fingers. Yeah. And it's actually... Um, helpful for the butterfly to protect itself because it will rub those together 
and if it's perching on a branch and it's rubbing to, rubbing them together to a predator, that looks like the antenna of the butterfly and the orange dots make it look like the eyes. So the predator will go for the head first and when it goes for the head it's actually going for the tail of the butterfly and the butterfly is able to get away. One of the other interesting things about the uh, eastern blue tail or tailed blue butterfly is uh, it feeds on various legumes, which are beans and, and uh, uh, plants like that, alfalfa. But they secrete a substance, which is uh, a food for ants. And the ants act in protection then of the larvae and the caterpillars from other predators. So it's kind of a good symbiotic relationship between the two. So the ants are actually farming the butterflies. Yes, yeah. that, that would be a good way to say <laughs> They're it. They're ant farmers. They're ant farmers. Um, when I say eastern tail blue, um, it's uh, commonly found in the eastern North America, but as far south as Central America. The Great Plains actually forms a boundary where they don't go beyond the Great Plains, although they have been found in Washington, Oregon, and California as far south as Bakersfield. So we're in LA, so not quite where we're at, but, but very close. And they feel that that was inadvertently brought by people that were coming across from east to west um, and brought them here. But um, there is a western tailed blue butterfly as well that is similar in color and looks the same. Uh, the difference is the western tailed blue only has one orange spot on its wings and the eastern tailed blue has two, two to three orange spots, but we'll always have at least two. So that's the primary difference. Um, and the spots are very small, so you have to be looking at it to be able to see it. So a small butterfly with small spots. Small butterfly with small <laughs> spots. And trying to determine whether there's one or two on a wing yeah, okay. is how you can tell the difference. Got it. The western, eastern tail blue and western tail blue are not really found in the Great Plains or the Rocky Mountains. So it's more from the coastal regions that you're going to see them. That's, uh, that's pretty much what I had to uh, to say about the eastern blue butterfly. I spent some time learning about it so that I'd be able to speak and address it at today's first day ceremony. Perfect. Yeah, the first day ceremony. Uh, my bachelor's degree is in paper science. Oh. So I spent 30 years learning how to make a sheet of paper. Oh. Unfortunately, then, now you can go to a Michael's craft store and learn that in three hours on a Saturday morning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a slow learner. <laughs> or you just forget about it all and you just look for archival. But I'm, I was always told, that, or I've been told, then nowadays, almost everything is archival. Most they, paper is made on the alkaline side. Yeah. Very little is acidic anymore. Yeah. So um, just because it's uh, more cost effective, because you, if you're running a, an alkaline sheet, which is what archival is, right. it's non-acidic. Um, you and it actually it. neutralizes. It's built to neutralize acids as it's hitting it or something like it's not built to do that oh yeah um that's a byproduct of the way you're making the paper because you're filling it internally with calcium carbonate calcium carbonate is cheaper than fiber ah, so okay. you're making it so that it's uh, m more less costly mm -hmm. to produce so the profit margin is greater <laughs> or at least so they make more money making better paper well you don't make more money. Well, like, <laughs> You're not losing as much money <laughs> in the paper oh, okay. industry is the way it is. Uh, but it does produce a better sheet of paper. Well, great, because uh, I remember when I first started, philatelic paper, You it used to cost almost a bucket sheet. And now you buy a whole ream of it for like $8.95. And what's amazing to me is I know what 
paper manufacturers sell that to converters, and it's like if they could get that much money per pound, because yeah. paper sold on a ton right. basis. Yeah. Um, so six to eight hundred dollar per ton range. Oh. So figure out what your little ream of paper weighs, oh. and multiply that out to see what a ton would weigh, and you'll realize that somebody's making a lot of money, and it's not the paper company. Yep. Yep. Well, is there so, anybody you want to plug? Um, you were talking about the. Uh, the ceremony this morning oh yeah, yeah let's go get back yeah, yeah. there was I, i've been to a couple ceremonies and there have been ones where people go yeah here's a stamp yeah here's a person literally like a minute i will say that of the six or seven ceremonies i've been to this one was the one that was the most enjoyable and it's i don't know what it was but it was just it had good speakers it took it lightly. It wasn't like really um, serious about anything. Uh, we had the postmaster or district was, manager. District manager. He was interesting. Uh, it it was whoever. I mean, I know you put it together, and you did a fantastic. I mean, more than fantastic. You did like an A plus plus job compared to the other ones I've been to. And so I really want to compliment you on that. Thank you. Thank you. So, go ahead and introduce yourself first. I know who you are, but nobody else does. Okay. Well, I'm Ed Kawasaki, and I'm the uh, president of the Southern California chapter of uh, uh, International Society for Japanese Philately. Cool. And what are you doing here at Sescal? Uh, well, we have a, a booth here at uh, Sescal, and uh, our society held a uh, meeting today. Uh, and we had a, uh, a good uh, presentation of, uh, from uh, Larry Clements, uh, who gave a, uh, a presentation on the Japanese occupation issues of World War II. What do you collect? Uh, I collect mostly Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, I started uh, many years ago when my uh, Japanese uh, grandfather gave me some of his uh, letters that I uh, soaked off of the envelopes. Okay. And that kind of got me into uh, collecting uh, uh, stamps in general. And, from there, I moved uh, to U.S. and uh, worldwide, but my uh, heart is still in uh, Japanese stamps. I, w I wanted to start uh, collecting Japan because Dawn, she t collects dragons on stamps. Mm -hmm. And the early Japanese dragons, I know they're hard to find now because they've kind of all gone home to Japan. Mm -hmm. So all you really find out here is counterfeits. <laughs> That's right. You know, about uh, 90 to 95 percent of the ones you find uh, in the market uh, today are all uh, the counterfeits. Well, I'm, I'm still looking for the 5 percent because I'm, <laughs> I'm batting 100 percent. Yeah, well, uh, fortunately, we have uh, Lois Evans in our uh, club, who's also the uh, webmaster. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, she's an expert on identifying the uh, forgeries from the real stamps. Uh, Is there any way other than plating to tell the forgeries or it because I collect Swiss stamps mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you have the Swiss locals you plate them they're real you don't plate them they're not real well the pla the plating certainly helps and uh, look, looking at the plates is a good way to uh, to find that but there are some other ways you can look at it too uh, uh, some of the shapes of the uh, the claws and uh, some of the stamps and uh, fortunately some of them have uh, copy marks on them 
that uh, let you know that there are uh, yeah, forgeries. I, Since, I saw that before, where right. the two dragon heads, they, right between them, there's a little character and it says fake right. or something like yep, that. Exactly. And then somebody always puts a big cancellation on top of it so you can't see it. <laughs> That's right. Hide that mark. Or you look at the uh, the cancel and it uh, doesn't go quite to the edge of the stamp mm -hmm. and uh, cuts off. You know, it's a, it's a fake. Uh, and uh, some of the other uh, secret marks on some of the stamps. So mm -hmm. there's there's a number of ways to try and get to it, but it's it's quite an art to find out all of those. Some yeah. are, some of them are fairly easy to identify, and some are really quite difficult. What's your what's your best stamps? What do you like the best? Uh, I mean, of all of Japan. Yeah. So w what's your favorites? Uh, well, there's so many. I, I certainly like uh, the engraved stamps. Uh, and uh, many of the uh, the stamps of the uh, wood blocks uh, of Japan, the uh, the wood block uh, art, uh, and some of the classics like the were they actually, looking back. They weren't actually printed from wood blocks. No, the originals were, but the, oh, okay. these were uh, the reprints. Of oh, okay. The uh, the artistry of uh, Japan is mm -hmm. uh, is certainly of interest. So when you see uh, some of the uh, artwork uh, reproduced on the stamps, they were just beautiful artwork. Oh yeah, yeah. I like the early stamps classic from almost every country classic mm -hmm. stamps mm -hmm. where they really worked hard to get the good engraving and everything like that yep uh, japan just came out with some uh, stamps uh this year in january that were engraved uh that were single color uh engraving and they really look like the old classic stamps the uh, the problem for collectors uh, here in the u.s though is that that was a limited edition set sheets of 10 that are only of, only sold in japan so trying to find them uh, here is quite a challenge. Well, that's why God invented eBay. <laughs> well, you know, I actually went on eBay to look for those, and I couldn't find them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're, they're that hard. <laughs> I hope to find one eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. Well, that's, I think, one of the uh, fascinations of uh, stamp collecting is the history behind it. Yeah. You know, you're, uh, you're learning uh, history, and it, uh, it sparks your interest, and uh, you'll uh, explore yeah. more. Why don't you tell people uh, how to join your society? Okay, well, the, the best way uh, to join uh, the uh, uh, National Society is to go to isjp.org, O-R-G, uh, and find the information there about joining. Uh, and to get information about our local club, uh, send an email to uh, ed at epk.co. That's ed at epk.co. And I will uh, put you on our mailing list and you can get more information. Perfect. That's great. And I'll just uh, say that we, uh, we meet at uh, local homes uh, in the area. It, uh, it rotates around depending where our members are uh, on that uh, particular uh, weekend. And we meet uh, uh, once a month or maybe every other month. So it's more like social anyway. If you didn't collect uh, giant, uh, Japanese stamps, it's like, hey, come on down anyway. Uh, we got pizza. That, or, or, or sushi. <laughs> or, or sushi. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking with you. Okay, yeah, go ahead and tell everybody who you are. I'm Glenn Chia, Quality Philatelics, here at the Sescal Stamp Show. And uh, Don just pointed out that stamp. All right. She collects dragons on stamps. Why don't you tell her a little bit about what she's, what what costs eight hundred dollars? Well, that's a Great Britain number two hundred nine. It's the UPU anniversary issued by Great Britain. I think it's in nineteen forty nine for the uh, unit. Yeah. Postal Congress, and it just happened to be one of the 
more popular stamps from Great Britain, nicely engraved, and with Saint George slaying a dragon. Saint George slaying the dragon, exactly. Yeah. And that's basically one of the key stamps from Great Modern Great Britain. For modern Great Britain, that's one of the keys. Well, I think it's also one of the key stamps for collecting dragons on stamps. True. Yep. For dragon collectors, certainly is. So, um, wait, how are you doing at the show? Would you buy? Would you sell? Do anything great? Have any good stories? Uh, how about that? I love no, that no, one. no good stories. But you know, buy a little, sell a little, or hopefully buy a little, sell a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good uh, point. Why don't you tell people how to uh, get a hold of you if they have stuff to sell? If they have stuff to sell, you can contact us at uh, 714-963-3257. We have an office in uh, Huntington Beach, California. And uh, we can discuss what you have. And we'll be happy to take a look at it and give you an idea what you have. And we'll take it from there. Cool. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much. Awesome. You're welcome. Ask me questions. Ask you questions? Okay, well, What's how about who the heck are you? <laughs> I'm Carl Schaff, and I'm the general chairman of SESCAL. I'm the president of the Philatelic Society of Los Angeles. I'm a member of the Collectors Club of Southern California, and I've been collecting since three years before. You were born. Yeah. <laughs> I jokingly say since Calvin Coolidge was president, that but that was a little bit before my time. Uh, I've been collecting for over 60 years. That's a big pile of Prexy stamps in front of you. Yeah, what we have here is uh, uh, one of the kids' programs of the Prexies, the 1938 presidential set. And why are you pulling out the 21 centers there? I'm not pulling. This was a 21 center pack that uh, Bill got, and they're to be added, but I hadn't gone through these for cancels before we mix them in. Ah. And I found, I think, one colored cancel in it. And well, because you know that's my hero. Best president ever. Well, I like Calvin Coolidge. I like Chester Arthur. Yeah, well, there's no accounting for taste in either of us. <laughs> Well, we've well, known each other a long time. Well, we who's who's the okay? Who's first president of the United States? Everybody knows. Uh, uh, I, I forget his name. It's not Rutledge, but it's someone like that who was the first president of the Continental. Randolph. Randolph. I, well, I was right with the R. Okay. Uh, but that's it, a good it answer. Right. I disagree. Right. I disagree. But I think that Hancock hasn't beat. What, Hancock came yeah, first? No, uh, Ray, Peyton Randolph came first. Yeah. Yeah, but he's but the first there president. Were, he, there, were nine, there were nine presidents before Washington. Right, but, but Peyton Randolph wasn't the president of a place called the United States. It, he was no, the first. he was the... John Hancock wrote the Declaration of Independence, signed the Declaration, so I say that the third president, who was John Hancock, was the first president of the United States because he started the United States by signing the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. I know, but if you Could say... Could well uh, be. But if you say America but and you talk about that whole entire topic, then it's Peyton Randolph because yep. he's America. The only wrong no, answer... He, 
the only wrong answer is George Washington. Is George Washington. Yeah. Everybody else you can argue, but George Washington is But George Washington the wrong is honored with far more stamps than Yes. than all of They're these. But do you know who has more his, his face is on more stamps than anyone else? Uh, well, I'm you mean throughout the world? No, the United States stamps. Oh. That's a good trivia question. No, I don't. DeWitt Clinton. He was on all the tobacco stamps, and there are oh. <laughs> all of those. There are lots and lots of tobacco stamps. Yeah, yeah, I can get that. I can see that. I can see that. I mean, that's that's one of the trivia questions we always pull. But you have to be a revenue collector. Oh gosh. We we don't yeah. want to get political because this is on the internet. And we have to deal with, no, you know... Nobody on the Internet is ever political. No, <laughs> nobody on the... Well, we're, I, I don't want to go there because even though I'm the retiring chairman of SESCAL, I still want to be have some political correctness. Oh, well, tell us about that. Uh, I've been chairman for okay. 10 years, and they felt it was time for me to become chairman emeritus. So I got tired of being yelled at for all the things that we have no control over. And I thought... That's the job you chose. Well, <laughs> I was drafted. Anyone in the volunteer work in the philatelic yes. community really doesn't choose the work. He's elevated to it by those around him. Well, Mark Schwartz, who is... a uh Let's say a small F famous stamp exhibitor, maybe large F famous, but he's a big guy in philately. He said, yeah, I'm a member of all these places because I haven't learned how to say no. It's more than learning how to say no. It's, well, in our hobby, people have to do things or it, nothing gets done. We have a show every year here at Sescal. And it's one of 30 plus or minus national level stamp shows. Mm -hmm. They're all volunteer run, it's all nonprofit. And if the committees don't do it, they don't exist. And if they don't exist, the hobby really hurts. Now, there are commercial bourses, and we can go into the difference between a bourse and an sh- exhibition. Well, since you brought it up, you may as well tell people so they're not all running to the dictionary. Okay, well, a <laughs> no, bourse... they Google it. They Google it, excuse a me, bourse running all is Google. the type of show where there are just dealers selling or trading. An exhibition or a show has exhibitors and clubs Oh, well, a bourse is the area where uh, the the stamp convention, for broad terms, where they're just dealers selling. An exhibition or a show is where there are, are different aspects. There's the bourse, but there's an exhibit room where there's competition with uh, collectors who have created exhibits. And you can talk forever about that. Yeah. Uh, and there are societies, both national, international, or local, and they have meetings. 
and talks and lectures. None of those are on the, the one-day bourse, mm -hmm. uh, but they're all important. Now, the one-day bourses across the country are generally commercial, meaning they're put on by someone who went, rents a room and he charges for the tables and he makes some money on it. Now, the exhibits have the same aspect where you can make money on the bourse, but you lose money on renting space for the, the, the lectures and the, the meetings and definitely the exhibitors. So a, so a exhibit, you're sort of biting the bullet promoting the hobby and well, not making as much money or subsidizing. We're subsidized. Uh, stamp exhibits need angels. They need someone to, to come forth and bring in money. Mm -hmm. And if there's someone out there in the listening world who has deep pockets and is into the hobby, you should consider contacting your no, your state or national exhibit yeah. and see if, you, if they need help, if you're capable of giving it to them. Uh, sure, they need it. And on the other aspect, if you're out there listening and you want to do something for the hobby, you should, one, join clubs and be drifted towards volunteering your time for an exhibit, yeah. uh, for okay. an exhibition. So this is your last year. Next year you're going to be a chairman emeritus. So we'll still, we'll still interview you next year. Okay, but I'm not done. You can get more time if you want, or if you're tired of hearing me <laughs> yammer. There's a couple okay, more tell, of these tell on me, your. Tell me your, what you bought at the show that's impressive. Uh, my pocket is empty compared to years past. In this show, I I look for American used material that is very inexpensive that usually are not the type of material that dealers would bring to an exhibition where you do, they like got to sell material. I look for... You're dancing around the subject. I look for uh, color cancels. Uh, Which you're for, finding here in the free pile. <laughs> well, they're not free for me because Bill, who's the head of the, the uh, youth program, knows if I take out six stamps... I will probably bring in ten, five dollar, two dollars <laughs> to throw in when he needs it, and or a hundred or two hundred of the prexies that You'll I go, it up in, go through. Well, I make, make it, it up. up. In bulk. I make it up. <laughs> I can go through many, many of the kids' piles looking for marketable mm -hmm. uh, modern stamps. Now. The world considers collecting in U.S. material mint, never hinged, graded stamps. Uh, I must, since you're a PSE, I must acknowledge that you've done wonders in the market for developing standards. Not only that, but every time somebody, uh, we've been interviewing people and they'll go, and put all your stamps to PSE. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, they... I've read and I've heard in the philatelic community that 
The PSE grading system is terrible because it's scientific. <laughs> and they, they measure it out and they look for precision. Well, world, that's what you want, is a standard that creates uniformity in grading. And if you don't have that scientific measurement and formula to feed it through, you get someone saying, well, I think that's an 80, that's an 85, and it's all opinion. Yeah. Uh, and by doing that, they've changed them. PSE has changed the U.S. market of mint collectible. Uh, well, I I'm not going to change it. We've we've you've changed we've it. Documented it. You've Everybody has it. always wanted quality, but quality today, because of the grading, is uniform around all four margins. Fifteen, twenty years ago, you could get a jumbo with two. <laughs> big margins on right and left or top and bottom and two small margins yeah. or smaller margins at the the a other freaky, the other ugly sides. looking unbalanced stamp an unbalanced stamp and that would that would be a premium stamp and yep. get more than cat yep uh, now those stamps are no longer is yep. marketable well, You're I, looking at this I appreciate... We're running out of battery here. Oh. Well, thank you very much, Carl. I hope they see you next year, and I'm uh, sorry to see you uh, retiring from the chairmanship. You did a great job. Well, and, thank uh, you. Uh, I need that kind of praise. My ego is bruised by this time of the show. I mean... <laughs> You're beat up tra by Traditionally, everybody. I'm beat up. This year... Everybody knew I was retiring, so they didn't bring the problems to me. Oh, mm -hmm. that's good. Well, I'll talk to you later. Please. Bye-bye. So, so do you give me any clue on what you're going to ask, or do we just start? <laughs> we, generally speaking, as you're, as you're walking by, I snag you. Yeah. So you were walking by. And we snagged you, and now uh, why don't you tell everybody who you are? Oh, you don't do an introduction. No, you okay. can, you can okay. do your own introduction. Do your own, yeah. yeah. You can cut all that stuff out. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm John or leave it in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, good. We all sound silly. Uh, I'm John Weigel, president of the Federated Philatelic Clubs of Southern California, which puts on SESCAL. And I am becoming, for next year's show, the chairman of the show, or Carl Schaff, our 10-year um, director, has decided to retire. Mm -hmm. yep. We just uh, interviewed him, as a matter of fact, over at the kids' table. We um, did. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you? What, I see you got a bag there. What'd you get today? Uh, this is some Cinderella type material. Um, I, was, I don't know, probably pulling it out. There's no point because you can't see it on there. But we hold things for the microphone. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, my series. I, I collect Canada and the United States as country collections, and then I have several other. Interests. My main two are um, Postal History of Ventura County, where I was born and raised, and Post Office Seals, or also called Official Seals of the World. They look like stamps, but there's no denomination on them, and they're used to repair mail that was damaged and train wrecks, uh, crashed airplanes, 
fires and mailboxes, you know, all kinds of things. How yep. about just saying uh, it's official tape? <laughs> well, actually, some, their tape is used too. Uh, the Great Britain, a lot of it is is brown tape with just printing uh, to effect, you know, found open or damaged. And I also collect um, UFOs, flying saucers, depending upon when you first heard of them on stamps. Um, what else? UFOs. That's a good one. That that's I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, I've seen some of the mysteries of science. Stamps. Yeah, they came out of. Yeah. where'd they come from? Like uh, Maldive Islands or something. Well, yeah, I think they did. Maybe I think Nicaragua did one. Yeah, and I may if if I ever decide to exhibit it, I might make it UFOs and the paranormal because yeah. of all the like Canada's haunted Canada series. Oh yeah, yeah. Like oh that. yeah. But. Uh, I've been interested in UFOs for years, and it's just fun. The bulk of material that I have right now is covers that people have done. You know, I, mean, I think it's maybe one person on anniversaries of certain UFO sightings and things like that. He's done illustrated covers. Anniversaries of UFO sightings. Hey, if you're in the I, I'm kind of, it sounds odd to me because it's like, I saw a UFO. Oh well, in a year we'll have an anniversary. Well, it, well yeah. <laughs> if, if you ever worked in the news nice business, we never made an anniversary we didn't like. It's ah. <laughs> especially if, if they're at 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Mm -hmm. uh, 20 years ago, the aliens landed and they didn't take over the planet. <laughs> and there, there have been. This guy has done a series of covers, and they're fun. My my only significant philatelic item, though, if I were to exhibit it, uh, expecting to get anything other than maybe a people's choice, is a, a cover sent from the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, which in the 50s was a very well-known, large, private body that, that invested, investigated sightings and things. Uh, and it had been, this is like, if I'm right, it's a bulletin from them in an That envelope. sounds cool. Yeah, and it had been damaged in, I can't remember if it was a, a spaceship train No, no, no. <laughs> that, would be, that would have raised the price considerably. No, it was a train wreck or something, you know, and it's singed and stuff. So it, it's just a fun one. That sounds cool. Mm -hmm. So what did you, oh. I left my cover on the table, my Star Trek cover on the table. Did you pick I it up? I have it. Okay, good. Of course good. I got it. Last night we had to trade at the table because I wanted to get the uh, Star Trek with the uh, emblem and the starship. Oh. And I got not the worst one. Got, I got the second to got the that worst one. one. Oh. I got the uh, Vulcan hand signal one. Mm -hmm. The I worst one, in my opinion, is the faux teleporter sort of... Oh, that one's lame. Yeah, that's yeah lame, I don't like yeah. that one. I got the, at least I got the Enterprise. The, yeah. the, the U.S. set pales if you've seen the Canadian oh, set yeah. that they Oh, did. the Canadian set. We love it's the Canadian beautiful. set. Yes. It's color. It shows the, the actors... Mm -hmm. and, and then there was some there were some complaints in the philatelic press after that one came out and then you know the, the US designs came out and people were like why the big difference we complained about and, it on this podcast and, did you? oh and, yeah and we then, did you know, one, one, one of the answers was well uh, 
the United States doesn't put living people on its stamps, so they couldn't do that. Oh, so 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 of course the response to that is well. What about those actors who were on the Harry Potter series yeah. right? years ago? Not to mention some others, but I mean, that's probably the best known one. Um, and, and they went over, right? as I said, I collect Canada, so I got that from my new issue dealer. And that, I'm guessing, although I haven't seen the figures, that that has sold out quickly. Because it's mm-hmm. just it was gorgeous. All, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a prestige booklet with information about the best episodes. Now, I don't know. I didn't read it closely. I don't know who picked those episodes. Well, I love the fact they put the Klingon on it. Yes. And the reason they put the Klingon on it is because he was a Canadian actor. Oh, yeah, that's right. Otherwise, he wouldn't have got Because everybody... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, 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 hold on. Was he he Klingon or Romulan? Or they use Klingon, but yeah, they they are Canadians. Shatner's yeah. a Canadian, yep. and and uh, Scotty was yep. like, yeah. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Don't think Uhura was. She didn't get a stamp. She didn't. She didn't. Well, that's true. She didn't merit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was. Uh, a fantastic issue, very well done. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Star Wars. The Star Wars this. before it sort of mm-hmm. set the pace. And Canada said, well, if Star Wars is so great, let's make a great Star Trek one. And United States said, hey, Star Wars and Star Trek, they did great ones, so let's just do absolute crap. <laughs> yeah, that's about well, right. I think we all know that a lot of those things are published because the Postal Service or the entrepreneur who handles the Postal Service for somebody figures collectors are going to buy them. Yeah, and they probably so, will. That that's why we have butterflies and dogs and cats and, I'm, and I'm, flowers and I know I'm gonna buy a sheet of the stupid Star Trek stamps. I know. Did But what are the odds of you getting any of the the fruit ones? Zero. Right, yeah. that's what I thought. <laughs> I don't know if I don't think you were here when we talked about it the other day, um, but there's a publication, McKeel's Weekly, and we advertise with them, and they send us copies of the magazine to distribute the Sescal, and it's always the Sescal issue. So I picked one up on the table out in front, thumbed through, found the the Sescal ad and story, and the headline it may not be the exact wording, but it, it's the effect. Suscal to honor Star Wars. Oh, oh no. <laughs> well, I heard last night uh, some of the judges were talking, and one of them said Star Wars instead of Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> didn't hear that. Yeah. So, and the funny part, so then I read, as a former journalist retired, I could giggle. And then I read the story, and it said Star Trek. Oh, yeah. But, so it was part right. Mm-hmm. And I suppose we should talk about next year's Suscal, shouldn't we? Sure, give it a plug. circumstances. It's going to move from the Hilton LAX (laughs) in Los Angeles. This place sucks. Well, as Carl Schaap has said, the facility has problems. The staff has been tremendous. Yeah, oh, Hilton is great. Being in the basement here and parking in their parking structure and getting here off the 405 freeway. <laughs> no cell phone signal. No, se- no yeah. cell phone. We can't, yeah, mm-hmm. nothing. 
Well, anyway, we're going to move to the Ontario Convention Center. That has several advantages in that most of the people coming will not have to fight the 405 or 101 traffic, which has been a big complaint for years from both dealers and people coming to the show. Yeah. <laughs> As you can guess. Um, but the I've been in the convention center briefly. It's a nice, large, well-lit building. Um, the room, there are rooms upstairs, but everything that we want to do can be done downstairs, so we're not climbing up and downstairs. For those of you who have never been to Sescal, the dealers are in a lower level, uh, well, it used to be part of the garage, and the exhibits are on the second floor, so people who want to see both spend some time on elevators or, yeah. or it, it, escalators or stairs or whatever. Most of the big uh, stamp shows have the exhibits in the same room as the dealers. And here it's about as far away from the dealers as it could possibly be. And, and there's there's mixed discussion of well, who benefits best from having the two together. Some of the dealers have been saying, well, if the exhibits are there, the people come to the dealer, the, the exhibits will drop people to the dealers because those, you know, they, they will be in the same room, uh, whereas upstairs they would have to come down here and do it. Uh, and, and others say that the exhibits are, are more likely to be the, the beneficiary because at least my general experience looking at people's stamp shows is most of them don't come to look at the exhibits, they come to visit the dealers. Well, they come to visit the dealers and then they look at the exhibits. But if it's Maybe. not convenient, yeah. which it's not, yeah. then they come visit the dealers. They go out. They go, where are you know where are the exhibits? And they go, well, you go up one floor, down the hallway, turn left, down another hallway. <laughs> it's the fifth door on the right. They go, eh, yeah, I'll see it later. My guess is we're going to have more people seeing the exhibits. Yeah. One of the other things I'm hoping for is that our youth attendance will increase because people in Los Angeles obviously are aware there are not a lot of single-family, single-story homes right around the LAX yeah. airport yeah. area. So. Well, anything in closing you want to say? Otherwise, we're going to all see you next year. We hope you all pay attention to the publicity when it starts coming out. If you collect, we definitely hope to see you. If you don't collect yet but would like to learn more about the hobby, again, we welcome you to the show. And I better not say because we don't know if we're going to handle it. There, there is a feature called at some shows the Stamps in the Attic, which means you can bring in collections that you've inherited or was your childhood collection find out general idea of what it might be worth and then go to the dealers and, and try to get whatever that estimate was oh i saw uh, quite a few people come in here with collections are they okay yeah the, the 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 difference i mean we expect that to happen the difference is if when it's the stamps in your attic program there's a big table out in front yep. where they stand and wait uh, the American Philatonic Society does that a lot. Every time I've been to one of those shows, there is a line. Yep. Yeah, a it's long. 
line. <laughs> you know, we call stamps in the attic, but really what it is is it's antique roadshow for stamp collecting. Yeah, kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. So. Well, cool. I will see you next year. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for episode 93. You can reach us with your questions or comments at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com, Twitter at stampshowht, or leave a message on our Google Voice number, 1949-873-4298. You can also check out our website at stampshowheretoday.com, or follow us on Facebook, or watch us on YouTube. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hello everyone, my name is David Kugel, and I am one of the co-owners of Daniel F. Kelleher Auctions and Kelleher and Rogers Fine Asian Auctions. I would like to present our firm's growing list of services available to you in terms of how to go about selling a stamp collection and the steps one would take to achieve the best results for you. We provide boutique auction services to 100% of the philatelic market. All collectors with collections as little as $5,000 to collections reaching well into seven figures. We sell to more collectors than any other auction firm. Our diverse mailing list of active bidders is the world's largest. This is evidenced by higher prices realized due to collector competition and more underbidders. See for yourself at our website, www.kelleherauctions.com. We are the only American-owned international philatelic auction firm with offices in the United States, United Kingdom, and Hong Kong. We are also the publishers of the Kelleher's Collector's Connection, already one of the premier magazines in philately with a worldwide circulation. Any collector may subscribe without charge. Call, visit our website, or email us now. Let us work for you. The results will speak for themselves. And you can contact us toll-free in the United States at 877-316-2895. We are so delighted to be one of the podcast hosts today and really, really encourage you to enjoy philately the hobby that allows one to enjoy life and live longer. No such number. No such soul. We had a quarrel.